Welcome to another episode here at Barnes University Radio. Week one has come to a close. Tennessee Titans defeated the Denver Broncos 16-14. to um, First episode and first um, testing out period of Be So Good series under the umbrella of Barnes University, of course. And also under the umbrella of Assembling Titans was a success. It was a small snippet, me describing some of the things that the Tennessee Titans were going to have to watch out. In that two-minute clip, I simply stated the Denver Broncos were better than what a lot of people were talking about. Several experts, several people, you know, with more followers than me, uh, (laughs) more clout than me were saying, you know, this blowout, there was going to be a blowout and we're so much superior, so much more superior to the Broncos. And that wasn't the case. Said it'd be a closer game. Um, I thought both offenses were going to be better than what they were. Um, but, you know, it's the first week and, you know, the Titans eat the bye. I mean, I think when I put on my coach hat, um, you look at this game from a Titans perspective of, yes, um, it was sloppy. And then you go ahead and cue all of the ugly win quotes, right? It was ugly, but we got it out. We eked it out. We showed a way to win. And that's really all it is. I mean, as a team and as a leader, that's the message that you get send your team. You know, we got some things to clean up, but we, we came out with the W. And then when we're looking back on it, we, we don't have the um, excuse to say or have a crutch to say, oh, we dropped week one. Um, when we should have got it, you know, it's great to have that W without a doubt, leaving that field with the uh, W in the, in the, in the column, as opposed to an L is the best thing, best outcome. That's why you do it. Right. But when you put on your GM hat or your player evaluator hat, you look at several inconsistencies on the field, but as, as, as far as team building, you can see a team that is thin at several spots. Um, on defense, what really stands out to me is inside linebacker being incredibly thin at this moment. Um, and it's much like what I said, I think, a couple podcasts ago, maybe last podcast, was the talent gap at certain positions. As a, as a talent evaluator, you want the talent gap at Every position to be smaller and smaller, shorter and shorter, right? You want your inside linebacker to 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 be to be as close to inside linebacker one, or a better example, inside linebacker five needs to be close and talented inside linebacker three, as opposed to inside linebacker two and inside linebacker three falling off a cliff, like in terms of talent. Like that, that's where you get um, in a crisis when your inside linebacker three is really more of a special teams dynamo than an actual NFL starter. Now, I know a lot of people are saying that's why they're backups. That's why this is very hard to do. When, when you think about it, at times it can be difficult to find great depth, but there, there's thousands of players out there. It's just about finding them. Right. Giving them opportunities. You know how many players that are actually talented that are sitting on a couch right now 
It's because of other things, because of politics, because of maybe an injury. And they'll never see the field because of certain just opportunity. Sometimes opportunity is what separates things. Right. So you look at the talent gap. The same thing goes for running back for the Titans. The same thing goes for quarterback for the Titans. Same thing goes for tight end for the Titans. And then they're about a couple injuries away in the wide receiver category. And, you know, from that perspective. So the talent gap from their starters and reserves are too much for me. It's too much for my liking. Um, And I haven't even gotten to the kicker situation, which it's like a broken record. If you follow Barnes University, if you follow some of my work that I do, um, and we're really trying to change the narrative. I don't want to seem like not necessarily a charity case or seem like it's, I'm always the guy saying, I told you so. So we're going to change that branding and change that word and change that narrative a little bit more just to be like, it is what it is. This is what I said. And it didn't pan out. You know, I'm not begging. I'm not asking for anything, not asking for anything. I'm not asking for a seat at the table. I'm just going to create my own. Um, so at the end of the day, it was very well documented. I wanted Kai four baths ever since. Had to go and look back. I actually said it last October. Um, the guy went on to be 11 for 11. Didn't miss a field goal last year. Um, and is currently a free agent because he got beat out by a guy with a better name in Dallas. Um, so that's where politics go. And for for what it's worth, he could have had a bad camp, bad camp or, you know, it was just a numbers game. But um, Goskowski got signed and it's very difficult for a player um, for a player in general to come off the street, go to training camp. And then, you know, after missing the full season. But like I've stated as well, some of the things that, you know, you don't hear many people talking about how players trend like quarterbacks might trend a certain way. I think a quarterback is probably one of the more volatile positions in terms of performance. You could have a horrible game one week, come back firing on all cylinders. A kicker, for example, you can miss several kicks in a row and it's almost like it's set in stone. It's almost like the uh, coup de gras in terms of trend-worthy. I've already stated kickers are the most trend-worthy position that I've ever seen in, in sport. It's when you're missing, it's almost like it's over for your confidence. And a lot of times, what, what makes that? What classifies whether a kicker can be good or not? And a lot of people struggle with this, and it's their routine. It's who is the person? What is their routine? What is their injury history? What is their psyche? What is their focus? All of that plays a part in analyzing kickers. A lot of people, the best thing that they can do because they don't know is they just look at a stat line. They look at a stat sheet. They start running these numbers and they say, OK, he's a good kicker or look at his history and say he's a good kicker. It's not about history with kickers, because like I said, trend worthy. What does that mean? Really? What does trend mean when it comes to football and and, and kicking and, and player? It means simply means that um, rhythm. It's it's a it's a it's another word for rhythm. As I, like I said, I've already stated, um, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, they're a bit volatile, up and down. They can spike up and down, or they can hit a flow state, and they can have a bad game, then they can have a great game. 
Bad game, great game. Kickers, when they have a good game, that's how you know they're hitting on all cylinders. Their confidence up, their routine is up, and you can see them stroke the football, if you will, with their leg, and you see how it strikes, and you see how they're hitting it. Okay, that's down the middle. That's down the middle. That's to the right a little bit. But if they're making it, that confidence is building. If a kicker starts to miss consecutively, for whatever reason, it's obviously something within their mechanics, but it's also something in their psyche and confidence. And all too often when we've seen kickers have bad games, it is almost as if it's a quote-unquote omen, if you will, that it's not going to pan out. Now, Steven Goskowski, you know, hell, he could not miss another kick the whole season, right? That's a very good possibility. However, if the Titans lose, we look back at those points and say, darn, if they would have signed Kai Forbath, wink, wink, or if they would have did this, that, and the third, this could have been the outcome. It's cutting it too close, right? Whether Stephen Goskowski wins kicker of the year this year or not, it's still cutting it too close. Titans are really, to be completely honest, they're one Offensive pass interference not being called away from probably a loss. It's it's probably safe to say that offensive pass interference will go unnoticed, but it's probably the biggest play of the night for the Titans. A.J. Brown versus Michael um, Ojemudier. And it really gave them great. It gave them field position. Um, and then they kept the drive going. So with that being said, G- Coach Hat, yes, we did great. We got the win, I should say. We didn't do great, um, but that's all that matters. We're going to take the positives from this, and we're going to get better. You know, uh, We're going to improve um, and, sh- and sew up some of the loose ends and uh, you know, move forward. But as a GM, you know, if you want to you go all the way, there's certainly things that you gotta, you, you got to handle. You have to because you're going to go up against a better team. And you're going to lose. Those mistakes are going to equate to losses. And the thing is, the Denver Broncos, they're not a bad team. They're not. They're not a bad. They're not a bad team. Um, they have um, the decision making in the second half, um, especially time management, was a bit iffy. Um, they got a little bit fancy when they could have just ran out the clock with around three minutes left. They could have just ran the ball three straight times. Because Tom is on your side at that point. Um, and then later in the game, when you're banking on a professional to have, make a mistake as opposed to preserve time, that is an issue as well. If if you get better decision makers, Titans lose that game. If you don't get an offensive pass interference or a defensive pass interference, excuse me if I said offensive earlier. I got OPI on my mind for whatever reason. Um, but defensive pass interference, if you don't get that call for the Titans, um, and then if you don't get that call against you for the Broncos, then you have a win more than likely because the Titans were not moving the ball. Um, they were they were driving. Don't get me wrong. They were driving down the field. But I think that play, that incompletion would have been third down or fourth down. So really got saved. Forgive me if it was not the correct down, but I feel like obviously you get free free yards, which I think it was about a 12 or 15 yard penalty that that matters. Um, 
So with that being said, I mean, I think the positives that the Tennessee Titans did, they stuck to the run game. They did not try to get um, too pass happy um, in terms of like spreading everything out. They did not neglect the run because Derrick Henry had 31 carries, 116 yards. Corey Davis showed why the Tennessee Titans liked him so much coming out of uh, Central Michigan. Um, or was it Western Michigan? Western Michigan. Um, and I feel like my Mike Hope Pruitt had an awesome catch in the red zone. Great uh, reflexes, great hand-eye coordination to snatch that ball and protect himself. Um, and then you have defensively Clowney. You can tell he's going to be what we think he is, is a disruptor. Like I said, I think I've said this before. I know I've said this before in some capacity. You're not going to hear his name that much. He's going to he's going to make plays for others. And when you hear his name, it's going to be splash plays. It's going to be on third downs. It's going to be on, you know, crucial moments of the game. He's not going to. And that goes for a lot of players, especially on the defensive line. You don't hear their name that much until, you know, it's a very crucial um down in distance or situations in the game. And I think the secondary, they're a bit thin at corner, obviously. They're going to have to make some moves there. Um, but safety, I think, will be fine. Um, safety will be fine. I will still be looking and having emergency guys ready, but I think they'll be fine. Like I said, they're very thin at inside linebacker to me. They're very thin at edge at this moment. But um, maybe they'll get healthy there. But there are some moves that, you know, even me, that I'll – I'll share some of the moves that I think they should do. But overall, I mean, it's a win. You move on to week two, play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, you know, um, I knew that with Gardner Minshew, one of my favorite quarterbacks coming out last year, um, he was going to do his best to try to lead that team, and that's what he did last week. So looking forward to the challenge this week, and um, I'll update you on what the Titans need to do to ensure a win versus the Jags next week. Thanks for tuning in. It's a Barnes University thing. I will see you next time.